News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dyvendijk. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. I love seeing the blue skies outside. Yes. It is a fantastic day. Looks it like, is. Looks like a few blue sky days. Yeah. At least until the middle of the week. Well, even that, that's disappeared. The recent, most recent oh. forecast to look at this morning, it's nothing but sun the whole, way. the whole way. And I know we're talking about Saskatoon right now because, yes. you know, it's not necessarily the same everywhere, but a good chunk of the province is looking at a pretty good week, yeah. right? Yeah, well, so. with all this moisture, you know, and the moisture I know is hit and miss. It's all over the place. Some places are drier on the province still, and uh, but other places had nice moisture. Now that the heat, they're going to just watch things grow. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Now I we got hailed out on some of our ball games yesterday at the field, and um, I know that some people's plants and stuff will have been taking a toll with the with the hail as well too. Okay, so. well, we should actually talk about that because mm-hmm. it's not just you know a couple little hail out things. There's been some really major hail storms mm-hmm. that have rolled through. So, what what do we do? I mean, obviously, if if things like petunias, flowers, I mean, if they're just destroyed. Well, what I would say is usually the hail doesn't destroy them so that they're completely flat. Um, if it does, might you might be worthwhile just to like um, start over again if you don't okay. want to take time or you have a wedding to go yeah. to. A lot, okay. of, a lot of the garden, of the garden centers, centers have yeah. sales right now and uh, they're trying to sort of get rid of product. And a lot of the growers are too. I mean, I just refreshed my store yesterday and uh, got some new products in too. So um, things are looking amazing at the garden center. So even, even tomatoes. You can yeah, almost, you almost can buy tomatoes some. with some tomato, actual tomatoes on oh, them. Oh, really? So you, can get yeah. co- you can get caught up back up again, you know? Um, but the... if. If maybe they've just like damaged some of the leaves, you can cut things back. And that's another really important to do is a lot of our annuals, our nodes are so close together on them that you can just sort of give them a little mow down and then continue to fertilize lots. And remember, the soil has been leached through with all this water. Yes. So there's no nutrients in that water, uh, in that soil very much anymore. And I so think that's an important thing you just mentioned about fertilizing. It's now's the time to think about we're coming up to July Next weekend, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. that's right. July. Yeah, yeah. So now it's time to think about uh, picking up your summer fertilizer for your lawn. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, or you can just you know there's there's all different types of summer fertilizers. There's some that are made just for summer, and then there's other ones you can use. Like we talk about the groundskeeper fertilizer mm-hmm. made in Saskatchewan. I mean that one there, you don't have to change the type of fertilizer. You can use the one in the same one in the spring as the summer as the fall. So right. I'm getting ready for my second application on my lawn right yeah. now. So then, because mm-hmm. with especially with the rain and people walking every day the, it leaches all the nutrients out right yes, so yes so and also now uh, I always say by July the 15th uh, so right this weekend you should be if you're in that if you haven't done it yet you should be fertilizing your plants like your shrubs and trees and roses and evergreens and all that kind of stuff mm, yep and then in three weeks time which is July the 15th you give them one last shot of fertilizer and then you're set for the for the summer because I always say around July 15th is when you basically slow down the fertilizing and now you're going to get the plants ready because like evergreens by August 1st, they've gone dormant. Okay. They've set their nodes for, for next year. Mm, yeah. So that's why I want in June in the first part of July, I want to get the fertilizer to them to get the optimum growth. And we had a late start this season. So you want to make sure we get all the growth we can, you know, so, um, and I like using myself. I mean, there's all type of fertilizers you can use, uh, 28, 12, 6, but I like using 30, 10, 10. Okay. Because you just get a, a, a lot of new growth you, with that. You get a lot of new growth with it, and you mix with water and you pour it around each plant. So it's that first number that's going to give you the best, yep. the, the most growth. Yeah, yes. most growth. 
So the first number is usually your your new growth that comes on there. Your okay. middle number is more pushing towards your roots and then your flowering. And then your end number is like your all over health of your plant. So. Okay. Okay. And if you're seeing the health of the plant with your yellow leaves or, you know, different things happening, then check the pH of the soil. Uh, you can do that in the, in your, at your kitchen sink and just get a little pH test kit. They're just not very expensive. Get some distilled water from your pharmacy, and mm-hmm. then use don't use tap water, and then to do that test, and then just add some aluminum sulfate or sulfur will help. Uh, a lot of times, that's an iron deficiency or magnesium deficiency. Okay, with the yellow leaves, and so by using uh, things like aluminum sulfate, you're actually fixing the problem, you know, of the symptoms long term. Whereas you can use iron, you know, on your plants to get them green again but then they'll turn yellow again after a little while. Right. Whereas you, you actually you get the pH around 6.5 to 7, then you, the plants can uptake nutrients better. And that's in most, most places you'll see around Saskatchewan, especially in, in, in central to, to southern Saskatchewan, depending where you are. If you're up in Prince Albert, there's not too much of a pH problem, but if you're around Saskatoon and toward Regina, you might have a pH problem, and, and, and that's uh, in more alkaline type of soils. And then that's why you'll have a way better success uh, using the um, using the sulfur or aluminum sulfate. Mm, okay. Now the other thing I've been getting some pictures to my phone from friends and from customers um, with a little bit of browning on their leaves, on their tr- on their trees, on their dogwoods. Um, we're starting to see funguses um, yep. on plants because of the the wet wet environments and some people have their sprinklers going plus the rain still because they're on timers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times that's something we'll see so they need to stop their sprinklers and um, maybe reset them while it's raining this much um, and then and then start it back up again once it gets sunny but um, fertilizer is really important to do in combination with treating the problems as yeah. well so whether we have bugs or whether we have funguses um, you can cut them back and spray them but if you're not fertilizing on top of it your plant is not getting the nutrients it needs to regain its growth, regain its growth. Yes. so um, if you're seeing funguses like the browning or maybe a white powder called powdery mildew on your leaves you can use a product called bordeaux or a sulfur spray and that's going to eliminate those problems too and then give it a light trim to get rid of those areas now remember a lot of funguses are spread by spores so make sure you're cleaning those pruners between cuts. Oh, yep. And also, if you're using your gardening gloves, I sometimes will use a pair of disposable gloves um, instead of my gardening gloves when I'm dealing with funguses because then, um, they're, again, they're spread by spores. So then I'm not going into my, my vegetable garden and maybe spreading the spores into there because I, I enjoy wearing my garden gloves. All right. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Hey, if you've got a question, by the way, one 332 8255 That's where you join the conversation. In fact, I've got a question. We're going to start with this one because we're talking about fertilizing. I've got a hydrangea, little lamb or something like that. It's got white flowers on yep. it. And it's green, but there's no flowers yet. Well, I have one on one side of my front step that has flowers on it or starting to get flowers and the other one has just started to leaf out and barely has any flowers on it so it just depends on how much sunlight some of these things are getting it's a late start to the season so right yeah it's um, a late start it's still coming okay. and you just have to wait it's just a late start to the season probably for that one so keep fertilizing did you give it a little bit of pruning because your hydrangeas you should prune in the spring just a little bit so. a little bit i can i can do a little bit more actually on uh, it not anymore no no leave no, it leave it now leave unless it now. the old flower heads are there then you trim those off you can trim them down like if there's any dead growth you can trim there's, that off there's a couple of sticks that yeah. are left yeah. you can yeah. take those off but don't trim the new growth because now that's that's where your flower buds are going to come now yeah. so now okay. basically you want those to uh to flower out 
And like I said, they bloom on new wood. So that's why fertilizing is important because you get lots of growth and then they'll push the flower out. Mm-hmm. Right. But everything is kind of behind. Everything's about two weeks behind. That so. is the the last plant to get green leaves in my yard. Mm-hmm. That hydrangea is always, every year my wife goes, it's dead. No, it's not. No, it's Just not. wait. <laughs> it's dead. No, it, it'll make it. It'll make it. You know, uh, it gets, it's kind of in a corner and the snow sort of just naturally kind of fills into that corner the way it blows around my yard. So it's always covered in snow all winter. Yep. Um, and you but, probably have mulch around too, so it just takes a little bit longer to get going. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably the last thing the snow comes off of in the spring too. If you want well, a hydrangea, yeah, to, if you want a hydrangea to get going quicker for you in the spring, just pull the pull the mulch back for for like two or three weeks. Okay. In the spring, and then that'll warm up the soil quicker, and then then you can put the mulch back over top, and then we, you know cause for the for the warm part of the summertime, it'll keep the roots cooler and keep the moisture there, and uh, you'll have way quicker. Mm. Wake it up. Okay. Perfect. We've got a couple texts. We've got Faye on the line. Faye, we're going to get to your question as soon as we get back from the break, so hang on tight. This one we're going to answer quickly, though. Uh, Bob sent us our first text to the show today. It says, just outside of Saskatoon, I have two Carl Forrester grasses on the south side of the garage. They're only two or three years old. They were cut down each spring. Uh, he said he's fertilized them. They're under an overhang of a roof. They get watered by him. The centers are dead and only about 10 green leaves in the outside perimeter. Are they a lost mm-hmm. cause? It sounds like he needs to feel the soil. The soil might either be too wet or too dry in that area. Um, even if he's watering it, I, it, it depends if you have a, like a heavy clay pocket. Carl Forster grasses don't like having their feet wet or sitting in a lot of water. So if he's got a heavy clay area, there could be water sitting in the bottom of that hole. And then it's just sitting there and they're kind of just rotting. Mm. Um, and so it's not growing as quickly that way. So he can puncture some holes in there um, if he wants to. It's it's also, he said it's sitting in a canopy. Carl Forster grasses love the hot heat. Yep. And so if they have the more hot heat, the faster they're going to grow. So if they're not growing as quickly for him, they maybe they're not getting quite as much sun. They prefer a south or west exposure. Yep. Okay. So that would be my suggestion. One, one little trick you could do. I mean, this, I almost don't even want to say this trick, but it, it <laughs> works. Um, and it, you have to have the special place to be able to do this. Okay. Okay. So in nature, how do grasslands rejuvenate themselves? Okay. Yeah, there they, was, they burn down. They burn down, right? Right. There's a fire. So you could take a torch out there, have the garden hose ready to go, okay? Because you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this if you're in a bunch of mulch, obviously, okay? Because yeah. you're going to start the mulch on fire. But if it's an out area where it's just in the dirt, you can actually take a torch in the spring, have your garden hose running. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay? Light the, light the Carl Forrester on fire, okay? Cut it down first. Yeah, cut it down to the ground first. You don't have this towering inferno of flames, okay? <laughs> so, oh my goodness, Dad! <laughs> cut it right down to the ground. For bur- Children, bur- do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah, do this. Don't show your kids this. Yeah, and then burn it, burn it, and then douse it out right away. Okay, and it's you'll you'll watch. It's just uh, it just rejuvenates the plant like crazy, like nature does. Well, you know, there's I've seen places around my you know I live in Martinsville yep. around the area where there's been little grass fires, and then like. Five or six weeks later, it's the greenest part it's of the, the whole, part, yeah. you know, pasture. Like I said, you just, just fire beware. Okay, you're, <laughs> you're, you're playing with fire. <laughs> okay. Literally, literally, yes. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna get to uh, Mark's text from Bigger Monica's as well. Who else we got in here? A few more. Uh, Derek as well, and Faye. You're gonna be up next as soon as we get back. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. 
Good morning and welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we've got some text to get to, and we've got a two-hour show here for you, and a call as well. So that's where we're going to go right now. Waiting patiently in Saskatoon is Faye. Good morning, Faye. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Very good. Good. I have two questions. Um, I have a, a south-facing flower bed that has roses, columbine, daisies, and lupins. And it was just beautiful and blooming well. And we went away for five days, and I came home, and the lupins are absolutely filled with aphids. So I read on the Internet that I should take all the infected ones out, so I, I cut them down to about six inches. Um, they're still, And I hosed them off really well with a sharp hose. And they're still rampant in there this morning, and I wondered what I should use to get rid of them. Now, with um, aphids, you can do a few things. You can spray them with a product called Endol, and Endol has pyrethrin in it. And, can- and, canola, and canola oil, oil. and insecticidal soap. Um, so it's a really good one that you can do, and you can spray it every 10 days. But the other thing that you can do, too, is um, you can, if you can find some ladybugs... Um, ladybugs just came in. They, you can actually buy yeah. ladybugs. You can also buy... Um, um, praying mantis as well too and those are something that you can put on and if you put a few ladybugs on those lupins it will actually clean them up in a matter of days um where can i buy ladybugs you can buy them at a lot of the garden centers right now i know dutch Girls regina has them right now dutch Girls saskatoon has them right now um but just if you even just look at any of your local garden centers or call into some of local garden yeah, centers this a lot been of the first time in about three years that ladybugs have been available so just were available starting yep. last week so yep. you can find them in your garden centers now they'll usually have them stored in a little fridge so you don't really see them on the shelf um so you have to kind of ask for them um but yeah that's a good thing but even just spraying things with cold water on a frequent frequent basis like with a blasting them with a hose um works really good too um one of the things that people will see when they have lots of aphids is they'll think that they have an ant problem as well because a lot of times ants will go to that area because ants actually like to attach onto the aphids and suck all the juices out of them so a lot of people will be like oh no now i have an ant problem too well if you get rid of the aphids you're also going to get rid of the ants yep. too and, so. and the biggest thing to remember that those aphids just all didn't all of a sudden show up they've been there for a little while you just didn't notice them until they became bigger colonies because you can remember Ants are, um, aphids are asexual, so they're born pregnant, and they give birth to pregnant aphids. So all of a sudden, even in two weeks' time, you could have multiple, multiple generations. And so yeah. as soon as those plants pop out of the ground, you know that you probably have some aphids there, and if you get rid of the first generations of them, you'll have less problems as, as the summer rolls around. So look at your problem, look at look at your aphid issues, do them, do some scouting, and you'll see them on the backside of the leaves as very small aphids. Or on the uh, new buds. Or on the new buds. Do that earlier in the season, and then you'll be able to have a lot less problem as the summer goes on. And like with your perennials, the, you don't really want to cut them down after they got those flower buds on them, because a lot of them aren't going to rebloom again yep. for you. So if you do yep. that earlier, or even spray them with that endol earlier on in the season, that's going to make it so that you don't have to cut them back or anything especially like that perennials because they only mm-hmm. bloom one time exactly. a year a lot of them so yeah yeah so i so hope now that... with with these um I, I can't see them on the roses i can't see them on the columbine should i spray everything yep 
I'd probably spray everything with Endol. Um, again, you can you can look. I always say like only spray what you see bugs. You're doing preventative. Like you're not preventing anything. You're only spraying it on the plant. So if you spray something, it's not going to prevent them aphids from going there in the future. Um, it's going to wash off and then and stop. So you're only going to. I only like treating the areas that need to yeah. be treated. And if you generally. can, don't hit the flowers if you can, uh, if that's possible. Okay. okay. Uh, if okay. the flowers are right out in bloom, I mean, they're only going to bloom for so long anyways, but sometimes the the um, the product that you're spraying is put little brown spots on the flowers. So mm-hmm. if you can, I mean, that's where the aphids hang around is the buds. The buds is okay, but if it's actually an open flower, if you try, cannot, if you try not to spray that, then that's better. And then you can, sp- yeah. once it's finished flowering, then you can hit the whole plant again. Okay. And then my second question is, we have an area in our yard that's quite wet. Uh, can you tell me a shrub or a short tree that I could put in that area that likes the wet area? If it's really wet, you can put uh, dogwood or cranberry. Those are probably two of the shrubs that will do the best in that area. Uh, if you uh, if for for if small... you want a perennial, you can do a ligularia, which is really pretty. Yep, it's do. got um, there's the rocket and Othello. They get a nice yellow flower, either a daisy flower or a spike flower, and the bush itself gets about two or three feet yep, by about good, two or three good feet. Size. Nice big leaves on them, and they love having wet feet. So that's a really good one too. Okay, now we had a dogwood there, and it died. Okay, well, you probably want to go to a if you wouldn't. I don't want to put a, a, a colored dogwood like a silver or golden dogwood. You'd want to put something like a, a, like a green dogwood, like a, a, a red osier or, or Arctic fire or a red gnome. Uh, they would do better in that type of spot than than putting, let's say, a silver variegated dogwood or ivory halo dogwood. Won't do as well in the wet. Okay, and that's what we had was an ivory yep. halo. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it. Thanks, Faye. Okay, bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go back to the text line here. Ray's on the line. Ray, just hang on. We're going to get to your call as quick as we can. Uh, But Mark had a text from Bigger, and this is a bit of an agricultural uh, question for us, or at least a leaning to that a little bit. He says, we sprayed the part of our yard that is not, um, I think he says, uh, aerated or, or supplied with water, with par three to control the pasture sage and dandelions two weeks ago. Yep. We haven't had any precipitation yet when we sprayed it. Looks like the par three did nothing to the pasture sage. Should we spray again with the par three or use something different? Spot spray with glyphosate would be uh, tedious. Mark from Bigger. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you probably have to, you probably, if you want to get some moisture, you probably have to try, you can try the par three again. Uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, it's the glyphosate spot spraying and that's how done in my acreage is yeah it's tedious that you just you know get the backpack sprayer on you just you're just hitting just this plant you're not doing a massive spring you're just doing a little right right at the right with your sprayer right at the base of the plant right and it's tedious but i mean that's the way i've gotten a control of the ones i've had in my in my in my acreage so um yeah, it's it's a tough one when he said he hasn't had no moisture, so that's too bad. Uh, there's places around Saskatchewan that have had no moisture. Yeah, and he's got no irrigation there. Like there's no, yep. there's no water. Yep. So, yeah, that's it, it's a tough one, but that's all you can really do is just 
So get, try get your try, teeth and go at her. Try again with the with the with yeah. the uh, par yeah. three. If and you then... get some, if you get some moisture first, yeah. right? Okay, we're gonna get to Monica's text, Derek's text. Who else? Keith in Saskatoon, Stephen Regina. Uh, that's all coming up. But Ray will be next as soon as we get back from the break. Right now, I have a news update for everybody. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Big, beautiful blue sky, lots of sunshine, at least where we are. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill, and we've got calls to get to and texts to get to. A couple hours for this show here, so lots of time still. But to thank Ray for waiting patiently on the phone line for us. Uh, Ray is in Woodrow. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, and how are we this wonderful morning? It's a beautiful sunny day. Fantastic. You bet. <laughs> Good to hear. Uh, i got a quick question for you. Uh, we've got, we bought this acreage about a year and a half ago and it has what we've been told an asparagus patch in it yep. that's between a hundred and 150 years old. Wow. Cool. And, uh, an old this stuff is patch. just candy in the spring, eh? Like, yep. it tastes like chickpeas. Yep. Just raw. But, uh, what happens is, uh, like we cut it down early in the spring. Like as soon as the snow's gone, we just mow it. Yep. And then, uh, it just comes up like, unbelievable but uh what has happened is it's overrun with grass and this is probably 100 to 150 feet long by 10 feet wide and we just can't control the grass in there and then after like about a month or whatever the grass basically takes it over we're just wondering if there was a spray that we could spray on that that wouldn't hurt the asparagus but uh would kill the grass yeah, nothing other than than um, glyphosate, right? And you have to go there and basically, you know, uh, sp- uh, spray between the plants very carefully, okay? And Almost. then and then also use what I use is what I call basically a foam brush, right? And you paint you paint onto the grass. It, it's painstaking, but I mean it's the only way. Sorry, it's it's the only way other than going through there and digging up the grass. And uh, grabbing as many, many of the rhizome roots from the grass you can, and just keeping at it, right? Yeah, paint, but you'll probably a, wreck all the asparagus roots too, right? A paintbrush with Roundup, I think, would probably be the best thing yep. to do. Um, just get a little uh, margin container and a little paintbrush, and put some knee pads on, and that would probably be the only thing that you yeah. can do. It's tedious, it, but it's, it would be it's the a only big thing area you're doing. But I mean, uh, that's yes, the only way you're going to keep on top of it. Honestly, it's. Um, it's um, it's another way. Another way you can do it is by paintbrushes. It works good, and sometimes what's just faster is that you get yourself a chemical glove, okay, a good chemical glove. So you have to go to places like Acklands or something like that and get an actual real chemical glove, not just a rubber household glove, a cleaning glove. And then you put a, a cotton white glove over top of that, okay. So you have a two gloves: the chemical glove and then a cotton glove. And now you can dip your, your Roundup onto your cotton glove, and now you can just go and you can just pull on the grass, and you got the Roundup on, your, on the cotton glove, and then you spray it, on, and then you get it onto the grass. And so that's oh. a lot quicker that way than using a paintbrush, actually. Wow, yeah, that's an awesome idea. Right? So, so it sounds like any, any way you look at it, Ray, you're going to have a really good tan by the time you're done this job, yep. you know? A glove tan. Well, and, and, make sure, <laughs> and make sure you're walking backwards through your patch very carefully. You're not walking forward so that you're, you're getting it on your feet and then, you know, stepping on different things with the roundup on your feet and everything else, okay? No, that's perfect. I got a wife. She's got... Uh... Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
I have four kids too. Let's just get everybody in there. We'll we'll be over. Can we have a five second delay. We can we, mute this one, can we? For you? <laughs> no, thank you very much. And okay. that's muchly appreciated. Okay. You have yourself a wonderful day. You Thanks, Ray. Thanks for the good laugh. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, what do you got time for? Yeah, let's go to our next call. We're gonna go to one of our regulars here, Ron in Lestock. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Good morning. I had hail on onions and it they got shredded pretty good. Oops. Now, will they come back? Somebody told me they'll come back. And I was wondering, would it be a good idea to snip those shredded stems off? Like you'd, Yeah, you, know? you definitely can cut those shredded stems even a half to a third of the way down, and they'll come back again. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also, I had a little blue butterfly or moss that's inch wide, half inch long. And I was wondering, is that going to be a pest showing up later? Really nice blue color. color. Yeah, it could be. Could have a nice little caterpillar in there, especially in your cabbages or your lettuce or whatever. Okay. Yeah, the biggest thing is when if I have lots of leaf plant, leafy plants like bok choy, lettuce, cabbages, I always make sure I have some row cover, which is like a light white cover, lets the sunlight and water through. And at this time of year, especially, it's really good to cover those things. Make sure you weigh down the the bottoms and put put maybe a few stakes in there to hold them up off the plants. Is it just one or is there lots? I've noticed maybe half a dozen to a dozen, you know, over the time period flying around. And I did have the roll covers over the little cabbages I put in during that hail. And I was thinking, oh, did it make it? But open it up. Oh, no, they're absolutely fine, even though they were pushed right down with the hail and stuff. They'll be fine. Yeah, that'll make make the impact way so that you would have protected those plants. Usually you want to keep that row cover on for another two two weeks or so. Things are a little bit late, so just be watching those those moths. And once you see the the moths and butterflies disappear, then you can take that row cover off. Yeah, and I use that BTK also later on. Perfect. Okay. Right on. Good one. Thanks for the call. Run. Take care. Okay, bye. 1-877-332-8255. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So we're going to go over the text line here, and I think the next one is Monica in Saskatoon. I have a hydrangea starting to flower. Okay, so like my my question earlier, mine's not doing anything yet. It's just green. Mm-hmm. She says the uh, one soft new branch at a time droops over like it's dying. Like so, it's kind of new branches are coming out, and then they're kind of saggy and just sort of falling over. What could be causing that? Could be well. A lot of times with with new growth and with moisture. Okay, whether it's whether it's sprinklers or the water or that. Now, if they'll they'll actually they'll have the, the head the be the stems will be so soft. Like if when they grow that fast, the stems are are not sturgent. They're not not really um, sturdy. Right? Yes, right. And so they'll they'll just hang down. So what you can do if you want, you can actually you can do that even before they start coming up. You can put what we call a it's a it's like a peony hoop. Okay. Okay. And there's different types of peony hoops. There's ones with a grid pattern in them, and that will hold, stand, put it in there, or just a regular peony uh, hoop, and it'll hold them up. Or there's actually peony hoops you can get that are half moon shaped that come in a pair, and you can put, they can do it afterwards, and you can put one on each side to hold the branches up. But okay. the biggest thing with hydrangeas, if you're doing that early spring prune on them and just cutting them back, cutting the old blooms off and, and cutting them back a little bit, everywhere you're pruning, you're going to get branching. And the more branching you have, the sturdier plant that you're going to have mm, too. So okay. that's something to watch too. The other thing is she's finding they're drooping. If she's noticing the leaves are wilting and they're drooping um, or the leaves are turning brown and they're drooping, there could be two things too. If they're turning brown and drooping, it could be too much water. If they're wilting and drooping, it could be not enough water. So watch those things as so, well. The, the 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 thing you want to do with that is that before you do anything, 
is if they're drooping too, is stick probe the soil. Stick right. your, either your finger into the soil, a piece of rebar in the soil, down, you know, if your finger as far as your finger will go, or a piece of rebar down about six, eight inches, and pull up the, the ribs on the rebar will pull a sample up, and you can find out whether it's too wet or too dry. Then you know what to do. If it's too dry, you can water it. If it's too wet, you can aerate. Okay. Yeah, so, so pruning for this year, unless you're going to cut off all your blooms, it's too late for pruning this year, but... Uh, yeah. I, some people say you can prune them in the fall. I like to wait for hydrangeas until the spring because I like to leave as much growth on to catch those snowfall snow. as possible. Mm. I'll, I'll cut in the fall. I'll just cut the old head, the flower heads off so the, so the snow doesn't weigh them down. But other than that, just leave as much on there. Some of these hydrangeas, the though, too, just naturally the way they grow, yep. those flower heads get really heavy. Heavy. Right? Yep. And so, like you said, pruning them over and over and over makes them... More compact, more, dense, more yeah. dense, right? And keeps them from getting so strong or so leggy. Yep. And then that flower, big flower head grows in the end and it just kind of blech, falls yep. over, mm-hmm. right? So that, that is a typical thing that they can do mm-hmm. unless you're pruning them all the time. Exactly. Right? And there's, and there's nothing wrong with plant supports. I mean, we're supporting yeah. tomatoes, we're supporting vines, we're supporting, uh, delphiniums, we're supporting all kinds of sh- uh, plants that, that grow up. Lilies will support a lot of times. Well, and a lot of so. thing with the, with the plant supports, the peony rings especially is, they're just, they're not a very big plant. They don't look like a tomato cage. Yeah. So once the plant gets bigger, it kind of grows into it and you don't even don't see even it see anymore. It. Yeah. I suppose if you really want to be, you know, uh, cost effective, you could just get a piece of bamboo too, right? Exactly. Kind of, you know, put a string around put it. Put a string yeah. around it. Hold that one branch up that's not yep. doing so yeah. well, yep. right? It'll, and it'll get stronger, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It will, it will mature and get tougher. It'll right? get old wood eventually. Yeah. Right. Exactly. one 332 8255 Uh, let's do one more text. Then we're going to go to our break. Derek says, good morning, guys. Living on acreage. I've got some thick patches of clover growing in some areas of my lawn. It's harder to mow. And if I, especially if I wait too long, how to get rid of that clover. Well, that's funny because you know what? I, I actually have more customers coming in asking for clover. clover. <laughs> um, yes. it's, it's becoming actually a trend where it's people want to put clover because in Because if yard. you want to attract bees, clover is a great thing. My neighbor oh. has a beehive and they, he actually planted the whole yard, front yard in clover. And so because he wants for the bees, right? So, and it um, takes a little less water and all those things. But clover, yeah. you, you can get rid of it. It's, it's a tricky it's one to get rid of. It's a tough one. There's actually, a, there's actually a, a special product, and it's hard to find. It's called the chickweed and clover killer. Okay. okay? And so the regular, regular um, herbicides don't really touch clover that great. And so, um, so either that put up with it and enjoy your clover type of garden, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but if you want to get rid of it, uh, look for that. Like I said, you won't see it around that much. It's called, I think it's called chickweed and clover killer. What about just digging it out? Can you t- uh, either, dig- that or, either that or you spray the whole thing, that, that whole patch area with, with glyphosate and then start again. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Dig it out, put some new soil, put, some sod pieces. Put some, and- put some sod back over top or seed it back in with regular grass, but kill everything first. It's tricky digging it out because it sends the roots yeah. kind of out in a fan. Uh, and, and so if you leave a, even a little bit of the root, it's just going to come back one up thing, again. The reason why clover does so well, especially in drought times, is that they send a little tap root down, right? So they get down for where the moisture is. You know, it, what you're talking about, though, makes a lot of sense in people gl- growing this stuff. So, yep. I mean, for, for Derek, you know, he wants a lawn with yep. grass. That's yep. fine. A lot of us do. But I always have thought about this is we, we try so hard to kill the stuff that grows so well here yep. to grow something that doesn't really grow that well here. <laughs> it requires lots of maintenance, but 
boy, does it look beautiful. But think about it. Think yeah. about think about all the stuff that just grows out, all the weeds yep. and stuff. We need to embrace that. Well, and if you, it's so easy, if you look at kind of the the trends, they're talking about sustainability and water, um, water like saving water and things like that. People are saying, okay, we need to water our lawns less. We need to do more um, zero scaping and keeping your grass longer, keeping your grass don't a little your, bit longer. Don't cut it so short, short that it dries out all the time. Um, adding clover into your lawn so that uh, you have something that's green, but you're having something that eventually over time is maybe going to sustain. You still have green, but you're not having to cut Especially it as much. You got shadier. The only thing with clover that it doesn't survive the winter that long, that well, and so it gets lots of winter kill. So you have a very patchy lawn. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but there are some there are some more hardier mm-hmm. clovers out there. But um, interesting, um, interesting. Okay, we're gonna take a break. We got uh, Keith in Saskatoon, Stephen Regina, Jan, Ray in Yorkton. Who else? A few more to get through. Back with your text right after this. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You can always join the conversation at 1-877-332-8255. So just like our callers have already done, if you've got a question, something's kind of going weird, not right, you want to fix a problem, or you're just looking for advice on... I don't know, something new, right? Just or like we fall. Like where I tell got us a- about your success stories. Yeah, What's absolutely. going well in your garden? What have you done to make yourself successful? Share those things what, with our We audience. talked about aphids earlier. What what do you use for your home remedy for getting rid of aphids? You know? We're we're okay with bragging. It's yep. all right. I love bragging. It's good, right? Okay. So there I'll, you go. I want to know what people tried. I know I want to find out is people have have they tried for powdery mildew? If they have powdery mildew, has anybody tried using a fifty percent water, fifty percent milk? And spraying it on their plants. I want to know if anybody's ever tried that and, and had success. Had success, right. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. that's a it, new one we've kind of just yeah. come up Because the protein recently. in the milk will help take away the, mm-hmm. the, the powdery mildew. So I'm just interested in seeing if people had success with that. Yeah, we've heard about it lots. Yeah. I've never tried it personally yeah. myself yet, so let's see if people have had success. Well, here's a good news story from Keith in Saskatoon. Uh, good morning. Says we purchased an apple tree about eight years ago. It's a Carlos Queen. The first year, the rodents stripped the park. We oh, lost it. Whoops. Our new Carlos Queen is looking great. The most apples we've ever had was 35 a few years ago. This year, I see hundreds. Will it stress the tree is the question, but no, it, saying it's doing good. It'll do okay. Just make sure that you keep the moisture level good on it and not too wet, not too dry. Keep the moisture level right. If you, uh, uh, if the tree actually will, if it has too many, it'll actually abort some of them. It'll drop some of them on the ground. So they do that naturally if they got too much, or otherwise you just watch. The biggest thing to watch for is that in the old days, you see grandma and grandpa, you have the hockey sticks well, I was just or, say, or, or ladder up holding a branch up, you know? Because it will get heavy enough. It'll get heavy enough so that it doesn't break a branch off. And so that's what you have to really watch out for. And she might have to do some branch supporting, especially if the branches are really long. Uh, but how old, he, I don't think he said this tree was that old. Eight years old. Eight years old. So it just, just, yeah, just make sure that you may have to put, your stepladder out there to support a branch or something like that. Can't use a stepladder for a little while, but I mean, uh, but you can use anything to help, to help support the branch up. Just make sure that you're not damaging the branch that with, you know, if the branch is moving around, it's not rubbing the bark off. Then you're doing the same thing as those rodents did, right? Yes. By damaging the, the bark on the tree. Yeah, and of exactly. course, if you're not needing all those apples, you can go through and thin them Just out. Just thin too. them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. one 877 Uh, Regina asks, what fertilizer should I use for a yucca and crane palm? What's the best soil to replant them with? I have three of them. They're six feet high. Uh, yeah. 
So what I would use the cactus succulent soil if I'm transplanting. It just has a little bit more perlite in it and it will drain easier with the, with the yucca plants. Yuccas are um, a desert plant. So they, they have a nice cane on them that holds lots of moisture. So that's something to sort of keep in mind. And as far as a fertilizer, you can just use your Schultz fertilizer, the one that you'd put seven drops in your water every time you water. And that's a good fertilizer to use from those or guys too. Another one is again, even the alfalfa pellets yeah. and making a tea or Make putting the pellets on top. alfalfa pellets, but, yep. um, with those ones, because you're not watering so often, especially with the yucca plant, um, you're not fertilizing very often too. Yep. So yep. still continuing to do it every time you water is, is sufficient enough. It's a very low, low dose set Schultz plant food is what it's called. Cool. You know, I'm just, I'm just thinking of this, these yuccas and all this other stuff we we're talking about. And I just got back from, uh, Edmonton last weekend. We was okay. there. You went to the conservatorium? Has, yes. Anybody yeah. been to the Muttart Conservatory? Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. This is the coolest thing in yeah. the world. Yeah. So if you, if you're going to Edmonton this summer and you're listening to this show, yeah. there are downtown along the There's river four, in Edmonton. Four or five pyramids. Four, right? four glass yeah. pyramids. Okay. Yeah. And they're all, three of them are different, um, categories of plants. So one is tropical. One is arid desert and one is sort of temperate yeah. and it's, you know, kind of different stuff in each. And then Look the at that beautiful tree. He just pulled a picture of it up on his computer here and uh, there's a beautiful tree fern and there's some great palms and you can see the big philodendrons and big the banana plant in and the, the big banana plants in the back and the, the alocasias and oh, man. it's just huge. If you love, if you love plants. Take about like four or five hours because you could sit in each one of these kind of places to sit in little benches hidden away. You could sit for an hour in each of them and just look at everything. It's amazing. I'm heading down to Ohio um, in the middle of July to take some courses with uh, American Hort down there. And uh, the conservatory, the Franklin Conservatory is like that times a million it's <laughs> it's stunning they have waterfalls in it and you walk through and it is it, it's like it's a massive it takes almost like four or five hours Whoa. to like get through it all and just take it all in it's just and some of the that's going pretty quick the yeah bonsais that they have are like hundreds and hundreds of years old and well so the the, the fourth pyramid that i got to see was full of hydrangeas Thousands and thousands oh. of hi- wow. exclusively hydrangeas. hydrangeas. Yeah. And they had like a, a little gazebo set up. You could like probably rent the place for a wedding in yep. that pyramid. It was incredible. So if you're doing some, some traveling this summer, uh, highly recommend this. <laughs> yeah. We got to go to our break. We got a news update coming up for everybody right away. We're going to get back to Irene's call and a whole bunch of texts when we get back. So stick around. 1-877-332-8255. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM 980C. JME. Here we go. Hour number two of Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Thanks for joining us on the show here. And it's time to get to your texts and calls. We've got lots to get to here. And still another hour, so there's time. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to start with a couple of calls here because they've been waiting the longest. I think in Saskatoon, Irene has been waiting patiently. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. Good morning. What's your call for us? Okay. Oh, I yeah. I have a pot of dahlia here, and uh, and it when it starts blooming, it turns brown, <laughs> like the leaves, the flowers are yellow, and when they start blooming, then uh, they turn brown. So, are they, they getting die. to the full bloom stage yet, or are they are they turning brown before they're turning or before they're opening? No. Well, some of them have turned brown just as they opened. Yes, the bud kind of, and uh, yeah, and then, then most of them as they bloom in their 
they're a fairly good sized flower and then they start turning brown. Okay, well, with the dahlias, after they're finished blooming, they will turn brown and you have to deadhead them to get them to rebloom. So you, the, underneath the bloom is a seed pod and you want to deadhead them and pick off that seed pod and the plant will be like, oh, I've got to do this again and it will continue to rebloom for you. So that's really important with the dahlia. Also, fertilizing them with a 15-30-15 fertilizer and making sure they're getting adequate food. A lot of people, when they buy their dahlias, they're being fed on a regular basis in the greenhouses and they take them home and then they haven't been fed again. So they're kind of like, oh, I need that energy and they're energy starving. So then they they go through that process of, and they can't open fully because they don't have enough food in them. Um, also, really watch your watering. Dahlias like to be evenly moist. It's a bulb, right? So a lot, some of them are bulb varieties with dahliettas. If they're the smaller varieties, are actually a seed variety too. But still, they're very um, susceptible to root rot. So they don't like having wet feet at all. So make sure you allow them to dry out just a tiny bit between waterings, but also if you let them dry out too much, then the, the blossoms will fall off. So they're kind of like those hydrangeas, um, uh, kind of like uh, a, a plant that, yes, it requires a little bit more moisture to keep because it's such a big plant. If you pull it out, you'll see a big root system on it, but you can't keep them soaking but wet. But it sounds like she might have the like the dinner plate style of dahlias, yeah. and they're just gorgeous. They're such massive flowers, and they're just amazing. Yeah, I have them in, in the garden center too, and I actually find um, if there's a few of them that sit on the ends of the end gates, and so when the staff go around and they water, and then they catch the end gate, and then the next person coming around the side doesn't actually stick their finger in the soil, so then they water them again. <laughs> and so those ones on the end gate because they're getting too much water are doing something similar to what you're seeing. Uh, the leaves will start turning yellow and also the blooms will start falling are prematurely turning mm-hmm. brown. So it sounds like it could be a little bit of a watering issue, but also get some fertilizer into there. Again, I do have, I, I've watered with miracle grow every two weeks it said there. So okay. I've been feeding it every two weeks. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So the fifteen thirty fifteen miracle grow or the 2020 is the best you one. You know, so. I'm not sure it comes in little individual packages that miracle grow. Yeah. Uh, just, it mixed yep. with a uh, gallon of water. Perfect. You're doing the right thing there. And and sunlight will be key. We haven't been getting as much sunlight. So making sure that you're giving them a, enough sun at east location is perfect for a day. Okay. Area. See, mine's on the north. It gets some sun, but not that much. So, so maybe that's, that's another thing too. Give it a little bit more sun that will help it bloom okay. a little bit more. Next year. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Enjoy. Thanks, Take care. Sure, thank you. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to get a few texts in a second, but we always get the calls on here first. Uh, and Paul is joining us, who's in Saskatoon as well. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How is everyone today? Awesome. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Great. Um, my question is, um, I'm growing peppers in a greenhouse. Yep. And I feed them um, fish fertilizer and alfalfa tea. Yep. Mm-hmm. They are doing phenomenal. Loaded, loaded. Um, I'm getting some green. It looks like algae on the top of the soil. Yeah. Now I stick my finger down in there. It's dry. Should I be fluffing up that top part just to... The only thing that you have to... The only thing you have to watch is sometimes that will turn into a hard crust. And then when you water, the water will actually flow down the side of the pot instead of going actually into the soil. So it will feel like you're watering it, but the water is just going down the side. So if you fluff it up, that will ensure that the water gets thoroughly to all the roots and not just down now, the side of the pot. What question I have for you, Paul. Are you, do you grow in, right in the ground in your greenhouse or are you in containers? I'm in containers. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just fluff the soil up just a little bit. That's Keep the soil aerated. That, that's all you really need to do. 
Yeah, and what yeah. you're seeing is because you're using a natural um, fertilizer, you're start you're seeing a little bit of like you say, like natural um, growth on the top of the soil. That's that's not going to harm the plant at all. You're just it's it's just normal. But making sure that you don't get that hard crust on the top of the soil is really important. Yeah, I'm really impressed with this uh, the fertilizers that I'm using, especially the alfalfa. Mm-hmm. I'm already I'm already picking peppers. Yep. Amazing! It's With awesome. Bells and Hungarian yep. sweets and hot. And because you're doing it in a greenhouse, you've uh, probably started them nice and early so that your maturity date is happening sooner too, right? What are you doing for yeah. poll- what are you doing for pollination? Um, I just uh, go around and I uh, tap them. Oh, you're you're the bee. I'm the bee. I just <laughs> go around and awesome. tap them. I keep the hot on one side and the uh, sweet on the other side. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Don't want those to cross pollinate. Because eh? <laughs> the hot are hot. Holy, are they hot. <laughs> there you go. Good job. And they're, and they're all my own seed. I yep. use um, um, heirloom seeds. I've been harvesting seeds for 10 years. Oh, good for you. Amazing. Yeah. Make sure, I want to challenge you, to make sure that this year, grab a couple new gardeners in the area and get them to do a wander through and teach them how to do it. I would well, love you that. know, I've tried. Okay. But, you know, um, it's a lot of work. It is a it's lot, a lot of, work. of work. And, and, and then, you know, my son is now finally getting into it. Yeah. Perfect. Good. Um, but it, it, it still is a lot of work. It's yep. an art that, you know what, I'm, I'm loving that another generation is actually becoming passionate about doing gardening and getting into the nitty gritty of it too. So it's yep. not a lost art and keep sharing your success. I really love that. Yeah, well, I, I share my seed, so. <laughs> That's good. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Yep. Paul's Peppers. Have Thanks a, a lot. Take care. Paul's Peppers. There you go. You can brand yourself now. one 332 8255 This is from Jan in Saskatoon on the text line. My husband has many well-established grapes in our backyard in Saskatoon. This year, for the first time, he's worried the grapes will have to be you know, gotten rid of or will will be aborted for some reason. Worried that we'll get no developed fruit. What are the reasons this could be happening? What are the signs? Um, the only thing is that improper pollinization may have been too cold or something like that at the beginning of the season and then basically abort them because they weren't pollinated properly. Um, that would be the number one issue why a lot of fruits abort or, you know, drop their fruit is um, they actually they actually start a little tiny little fruit, but it wasn't pollinated properly, so then they just drop them. Or could it be the plant wants to take a break? Um, usually nope. it's it, not usually, I mean, grapes, um, one thing you'll notice that, uh, you can always take a look uh, a lot of times I've always seen that there've been less grapes, but I mean, the, 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 the clusters of grapes have been huge, you know, so because all the energy went into more of those ones. So, um, just watch, I mean, one thing it'll do is you think about, a, a uh, if you've ever been to a vineyard, you know, where they're growing like in Kelowna or places like that mm-hmm. or Vineland, Ontario, um, if you look at the, they plant the rows of their of their grapes basically um, north south. So when the sun comes over top, it gets both sides of the plant. All right. Okay? okay. Yeah. And what they do is they'll on the east side of the plant they'll they'll actually prune the leaves out so they get more light into the into where the flowers are and to where the and to where the where the grapes are starting to produce. Right. On the west side of of the of the vines. Uh, because that's where the hot afternoon sun is, they actually won't prune a little more leaves there to protect the grape clusters mm, and yeah. flowers. Okay. So, um, so there's a little bit tricks to to make and have a better better crop as well. So, um, it could be just a year off, but I mean, just make sure you're using that. Like I for grapes, I use a fruit and berry fertilizer. Yep. 
and you can still give them a shot of that right now. Just build up the, it's an organic and it has, builds up all those micronutrients or even putting the alfalfa pellet tea in there, build up the calcium, build up the boron, magnesium, all those other kind of things. That helps the health and it makes the plant produce better tasting fruit and also more fruit. I suppose too, attracting, attracting pollinators to your yard is good for Absolutely. Grapes too, right? So putting flowers around your yard to attract more pollinators and those kind of things. The other thing is, is if you're going after the fruit on them, if you if you go to vineyards, what do yep. they do? They prune the, the oh, yeah, vase, the... and and they also um, defoliate some of the leaves because they want the plant not to put its energy into the leaves. They want it to put it yep. into the fruit. Yep. So that's yep. why you'll see the vines in a in a vineyard it growing up, and actually it grows along on usually a trellis, and then they actually go through and they thin the leaves on it so that mm. it can put more effort yep. into yep. the fruit. That's why they always look. So sickly. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Uh, this is one quick last text before a break. Uh, Ray in, in Yorkton says, is this a good time to put alfalfa pellets in the garden and flower beds? Absolutely. You can do it all the way right up you to the end. You can do all the way through. Perfect. More texts coming up your way. Just stick with us. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650CKOM and 980CJME. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Okay, we got lots to do here. Some text to get to, some calls as well. In fact, we're going to go to the call first because uh, Brian has just showed up and wants to talk about tomatoes. Good morning, Brian. Hey, how's it going, guys? Very good. Love your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, I was wondering, like, only the third year I've been gardening now, and I heard you're supposed to prune your tomatoes, and all I know about it is you're supposed to prune the branches that aren't that have no blossoms on there, but hardly any of mine have them blossom on it yet anyway. I'm just wondering how to go about this. Now, one thing you have to know is you have to know what kind of tomatoes you have first. Your determinant varieties, which are varieties that they're already, the size is already predetermined and they're bred so that they're going to, they don't, they don't like, send off those runners. Like the, a bush, like a bush tomato. A bush tomato. So if you usually yeah. have like bush early girl, bush beefsteak. That's what I've got, yeah. Yeah, those ones actually don't need any pruning or trimming. Um, okay. If you have an indeterminate variety, so if you have just the plain old early girl, if you have some romas, if you have some. Like a vine type. Beefsteak, those ones grow up and they're more taller. Now, in between the main stem and a, and a leaf going out, you'll sometimes see another branch coming out at the center of that. Those just are not, just just an auxiliary one sort of thing. Those ones. are the ones that you want to prune out of your out of your your plant, so that the plant oh. itself can can put more energy into those fruit bearing. But, but he has bush ones, so you don't have to worry about no, that. No, you don't need to worry about it. So you're good. And really, really quickly, um, last year my cucumbers didn't do that well. And what are the ones that actually uh, bear the fruit? Are those the female blossoms? Um, uh, some uh, cucumbers are, are have asexual production on them, so you yep. can you can get varieties like um, uh, cool breeze cucumber, and uh, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, still need to still need to pollinate. Some of the cucumbers I had that had the male and female on them, yep. uh, they were a ratio of like. Uh, Five male to one female, mm-hmm. I think it was. Like, the ratio was way Yeah, off. if you're having trouble with pollination, you can always be the B2 and go around with a Q-tip and just kind of touch all the little flowers together and you'll be you'll be good. You'll have better success yeah. that way, too. The other thing, if you have a, a ton of flowers on your cucumber plants, I will pick off a few of those flowers so a plant can put energy into producing the best cucumbers for you as well, too. Thanks, guys. Okay, make sure you fertilize often. That's key to success, especially with your tomatoes. If you're a new gardener, having a fertilizer with calcium in it is really important. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go to the text line in a second, but we're talking in Regina right now with Gene. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Morning. Uh, I have a glow cedar that's about six feet tall. Yep. 
and I want to prune it. How much can I prune it back? See, till you still see, until you still see green. You have to see oh, okay. green. If you trim it back so there's just sticks and no green, it's going to take probably three to four years for it to come back to be anything. Oh, okay? okay, so it look ugly. I- all right. So, so if right. it's, I will be very cautious about yeah. when I, uh, how much I prune. So on. you're only going to be uh, talking. You only talk about inches, okay? You're not talking about very, not feet. Best okay? time of year to right. prune a cedar. You can prune it uh, right now if you wanted to. Even in August works really well for uh, cedars. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's yeah. just, just don't prune it back that much because you'll have brown and you'll be sad. <laughs> and so will right. it. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what's the best fertilizer to use for cedars? I like using myself a 301010 because it promotes lots of growth. And I would suggest okay. you put that. No, do you have any fertilizer at home right now? Yes. What do you have at home? I just have 153015. Yeah, so 153015 is not a high enough number and too high of phosphorus for evergreens uh, okay. if you want lots of growth. So either use a 202020 or a 301010, something like that, or a 2865. Three, right. I think it is. There's a whole bunch of different numbers out there, but yes. that fifteen thirty fifteen is more for your flowering plants than that. Yeah, okay? save that one for your fl- reblooming flowers. Yep. Yeah. Now that I think of it, I think I, I'm pretty sure I have some twenty 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 two. Then, then use that I'll on the that. use that if you have that in stock. Use that for your evergreen. But the best one right. is a thirty ten ten. Yep. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, I have a plant that just grew in with my uh, where my hostas are, and it's. Uh, the leaves on the stems are very serrated, and at the end of the stem is a yellow five-petaled flower. They almost look like a strawberry plant, but not quite. Um, I'm wondering, I, I'm sure something wild. Uh, do you know what that would be? Mm. Sounds like a, like a, I wonder if it's a wild, uh, with yellow flowers though? Is it, is it a, yeah, it's a yellow, five petal yellow flower right on the end of the stem. Yep. And the stems are about a foot long. And they're very serrated and they're very, very, uh, um, what Fine do they say? Leaf? Almost like a hairy type of leaf, aren't they? Uh, yeah, well, the leaves are very, uh, serrated on the edges yep. around the whole leaf. Deep serrated edge, you know, yep. um, what you could always uh, do know, is... That's the only way I know how to describe it. You could always take a picture of it, too, and send it into the store, and we'd love to help you figure out what that is. That way it would be yeah. easier than um, describing it over the phone, but it, it could be like a coreopsis. Okay. It, it could be we'll a, a type you. of cone flower. Thanks for your help. All right. Always have the answer. Okay. Thank you for Thanks, calling. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So uh, let's see. we got time for well, maybe one more, two more texts here. Uh, this is Tim. Just adding to the grass control, uh, he said, if you get a plant-free area around the patch, it helps. I did it with the raspberry patch, and the grass becomes controllable. Yeah. We were talking about controlling yep. the grass and the asparagus patch before, that yep. sort of thing, right? So, or, or if you got, if you once you got control of the grass, putting a, uh, like a digging a trench around and putting landscape fabric, ver- a heavy duty landscape fabric vertically to make sure the grass doesn't grow. And it's like putting an edging, but except for the edging is only four inches deep, you're going a little bit deeper. Right. So keeping the grass back from growing yep. back in. Exactly. Taking care of those asparagus, uh, the grass that's in the asparagus, yep. but then preventing it from coming back in again. Back in again. By just growing roots, yep. roots back yep. into that asparagus. Thank you, patch. Thank you for that. I Love, love having those type of interactions. Thanks, very, Tim. Very good. Very good, Tim. Uh, this is from who? Irene, who's in Martinsville. Good morning. Rhubarb. How much of it can I pick? How much do I leave in the plant? Or can I pick all of the stalks? Will there be a second crop? 
Yeah, what I usually do with your plants is I'll do about a third of the plant um, pruning at a time when I'm taking and harvesting out my vegetables. So any leafy plants, if I'm wanting them to reproduce, you still need that plant to produce photosynthesis so it can keep going again. So a third to a half, I would say, you can and remember, harvest. remember, not taking a third from one spot, thin it out evenly around the plant, and then you have energy from the leaves going down into the exactly. root all through the plant. And it'll, it'll send up more? This summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. More. Okay, Absolutely. so there, there will be a second crop, Irene. There yep. you go. Okay, thanks for that. We're going to take a quick break right now. News update for everybody at this point, and then we're going back to our text line to kind of get through the lightning round. We've got lots to answer, so if you've been texting us, the answer's coming up. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, we got about half an hour left in Garden Talk, and we got lots of text to get to. So that's what we're going to right now is the text line. I'm Jay. Yeah, exactly. With Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Thanks for joining us. And let's go with this text from Dean, who's in Kipling, uh, so southern part of the province. I have a 20-year-old Ketoniaster hedge. So that's pretty old already. Yeah, old hedge. Uh, starting to die. Can I cut them right down, and will, will they come back? When's the best time to do that? Yeah, best time to do that is in the fall, once the leaves turn orange color and started falling off or otherwise in end of March or the very first week of April next spring. But the answer is yes. Yes. We can cut Ups, it right down. Cut it right down. I mean, right like down. a couple inches off the ground. Right down to the ground. As far as you're... Well, because they're starting to die. They, the they, Most likely, yeah. <laughs> the reason why they start to die nine times out of ten is because they get fire blight. And so that's why I want to cut them right down to the ground and I want to clean up all the leaves. I want to clean up all the branches. I want to get rid of everything out of that, out of that. Okay. You know, and in the next year, yeah. it'll be half as tall as it was before. And then the year after that, it'll be just as tall oh, yeah. as it was it grows before. So quickly. Fertilize, fertilize, fertilize yeah. next year and, um, you'll get it to come up, but don't do it right now. It'll yes. be too hard in the plant. If there's any dead spots, prune them out and make sure you sterilize your pruners after quite a few, quite often, okay? Using a, you know, a, a rubbing alcohol or bleach and water mixture or whatever, but okay. sterilize those pruners. So you're not spreading the fire blight around. Cause if he's having it dying out with Catoniaster, nine times out of 10, it's fire blight. Okay. Uh, speaking of sticking with pruning, this is from Fran says, good morning. When's the best time to prune a green ash tree? A green ash tree there again. Uh, I like pruning them. You could you can do some pruning now that the leaves are out in full full growth. If there's any dead branches, like I've noticed, especially some even out front here, there's some ash trees that that didn't leaf out all the way. You can prune them back anytime there's a dead branch. You can prune that at any time of the year. But otherwise, once they're out in full full leaf, you can prune them again, and then also when they're dormant as well, uh, either in at the end of in October or otherwise in March. Brenda's text, she's from Young. How do I control cleavers in my tree line on my acreage? In the tree line. <laughs> Rick's looking perplexed right yeah, now. I'm just trying to think. Um, yeah, that's a problem with cleavers, right? Um, you want to be careful of the plant because you don't want to use anything that you... So, I mean, in my tree line, I, when I, I basically, I just run a, a backpack and I run some glyphosate and I do that two or three times a year and I keep everything clean underneath all my yeah. my windbreak areas and I'm just being very careful. I'm not hitting any suckers or any shoots coming from the bottom of the tree. Just making sure you're not hitting any of those, just being careful. Choose a day that's not windy, which yeah. is nearly impossible, yeah. but you can yeah. find an evening usually. And then right? once you have it cleaned up, you can put some mulch down underneath the yeah. tree lines too. And I see a lot of acreages starting to do this underneath their tree lines to control the weeds because yeah. they can't get in there with the mower anymore. Mm -hmm. And they'll put, but make sure you're putting it deep enough, about three inches at least underneath 
underneath that tree line, and that will control the weeds from growing out of there. And, as well. and right. but the big problem with the, with farms and that kind of stuff that's just too much mulch, you know. So you just I like mm-hmm. leaving all the leaf litter underneath there, yeah. and that acts as a mulch as well. Too. Right. Okay. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Dorothy's texts in the Southie area. Um, so a couple questions. She wants to ask about if the leader was eaten by deer, will an apple tree ever get apples? They were only able to get to them on the main trunk. Yeah, no, the, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No, okay. if they eat the leader, that's fine. You, you, a lot of times, you can pin up a new leader as well if you wanted to. And most apple trees, a lot of people pollard them or cut the top off anyway. So they see them all the time and they produce like crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she has Swedish aspens, but have died from disease. So if the leaves turn brown, basically. Yeah, it's called bronze leaf disease. Yep. If you want a Swedish aspen that doesn't get that, use a Swedish aspen that's called guardian Swedish aspen. Developed by uh, Ronald Wilbert out of uh, Portage La Prairie, Manitoba, and it is uh, a, it doesn't get it. it. She wants to know though: Will the shoots have the same disease? Uh, they can get it because if it's in the area, they can get it, and sometimes it's just in the sap system, right? So it's um, so, this, you, so it, even if you cut the tree down, the yeah, new shoots may yeah, still have the yeah, same it's problem. Called bronze leaf disease. You can look it up, but there is one that uh, that's called Guardian uh, Swedish aspen, and it doesn't get that. Okay. I love that. Like local um, yep. farmers are starting and 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 are yep. starting to develop some. Hardy trees. Yeah, well, I've, I've actually seen those trees in amongst those guardian aspens, in amongst some Swedish aspens, and the other Swedish aspens had all bronze leaves, and the guardians didn't have anything. I saw the original trees where you mm. got started them from. So very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to go to the phone lines right now and squeeze in a call here from Regina from Barbara. Hi, Barbara. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I have a question about um, it's a it's a daisy like flower that I have. Okay. And it's, oh, I've got the tag here. Is it a, a, oh, good, you have the tag. Perfect. Uh, Lorraine Sunshine, it says, but it's Heli <laughs> Pisses or something. A Heliopsis, probably. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and it's done well every year. It's beautiful, variegated. Uh, but this year, I don't know if it's because we had Buzz Boss spray our yard for mosquitoes, but it, uh, some of the ends are are curling up like they've hit uh, a fungicide of some, or not a fungicide, but uh, a herbicide. A herbicide, yeah. It could be and, a herbicide, or else it could be the 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 um, helianthus. They really love the hot dryness, and it's been very wet too. So it could be getting a fungus on the end just from the added moisture that we have on leaves too. So aerating the soil a little bit and checking your moisture levels in there will be good. Now, if you're noticing that the tips of the leaves have turned, you can even just go through and just give them a little bit of a prune and then and then that will clean that up too. And then that will, if you have a little bit of damage from a chemical, you can take those off. Helianthus, are, they're very tough. They're very hardy. So you can just sort of give them a little bit of prune and they're going to bush out and be that much more beautiful for you. Otherwise, you can do oh, two. You can always put a sample in a, in a little Ziploc bag and bring it into your local greenhouse or garden center, whichever is closest to you. And a lot of times they can find a person that can just take a magnifying glass, take a quick look at it and see what maybe else is there. Yeah. And if oh, it's a fungus, you can spray it with a Bordeaux or a copper spray too, and that will help prevent it from spreading. A copper spray? Yes. Okay. And uh, I noticed that, uh, like underneath on the bottom, there's a lot of brown leaves, too. Would oh. that be from the same thing? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like it's moisture. getting too much moisture. Yeah. needs We need some sun. We need some sun. So it's coming. Okay. So not to really worry too much about it. No. 
Okay. All right. right. Enjoy. It's a beautiful plant. Get get that index finger brown. Stick it into the soil. Okay. Okay. Will do. Okay. Thanks, Barbara. Enjoy. All right. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. This is from Dorothy in Saskatoon. Says, love the show. I have several Pasqua flowers. Pasqua flowers. Mm, Pasqua flowers. They're a beautiful perennial. Okay. Uh, They flower beautifully every spring, but they're getting quite large. Can I cut them back? I was told they didn't like to be divided. I don't want to lose them. Can I start new ones from seed or is there any other tricks to it? Uh, You can start new ones from seed. You can also divide them too. I wouldn't suggest taking more than about a third of the plant off at a time and do it only when the plant is dormant. So I'd probably do it early spring. So so she can divide them in early spring, but can she cut them back right now? I would... You can cut them back after they're finished blooming um, or else do it early in the spring, um, like cut them back in the fall all the way to the ground. That's what I would do. And then give them a light trim once they start growing up. But um, you want you don't want to cut the blooms off. So if they haven't finished blooming yet, you want to leave them alone. All right. Uh, This is Gail, who's in Regina. Good morning. I planted two new packages of cucumbers. Only eight plants have germinated. What happened? Mm. They're in a garden box. Oh, it could be a few things. Um, it could be too much moisture. It could be not enough moisture for germinating. Um, it could be not enough, not enough sunlight as we, well, too. Depending so. when they put them in, obviously, if they put them in early, we had a cool, cool spring, right? And yes. so things just yeah. took longer to germinate. And if the moisture level is too high, then they would have just rotted, rotted right? In there. So. Well, and sometimes you just get seeds that Usually, out, right? usually you should get at least a 60% germination rate. One thing about cucumbers, so. the best thing to do with cucumbers is start them in the house first, okay? okay. And then put the transplants out. It's just planting it out into the garden later, our season's too short. Mm-hmm. So you need to start cucumbers indoors, first of all, in your window and the grow lights or whatever, and then plant the transplant out in around May long weekend, and then you'll have a great crop, and then you know exactly what's growing. If mm. you're going around to the garden centers, I know ourselves, we have cucumelons left. We don't have any cucumbers left. Yep. So call around, make sure that before you go driving around everywhere, um, make sure that somebody has some cucumbers in stock if you're trying to look for some transplants. But you probably will find some somewhere. Okay, last text here before we go to our break. Not sure who it's from, but it says, All my fruit trees are loaded in sandy soil. So that's good. good. Can't find fruit and berry fertilizer. Are there other options? What about uh, bl- blood meal, for example? Yeah, blood bone meal, meal, bone meal, uh, alfalfa pellets, alfalfa pellet tea. I like to use tea outside. If it's outside there, I like using the tea because uh, otherwise the rodents will take away all your pellets and eat them all, right? Okay. So, but Or work them into the soil. So... That works too. All right, there you go. We're going to get back to the text line of our last sex- session coming up, so stick with us. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Hope you're having a great Sunday. Here we go, the last segment of Garden Talk already. Can't believe two hours has flown by this fast. It's a beautiful blue sky, sunny day in Saskatoon. A little tiny bit of wind, but nothing crazy, which is good. You know, this is this is going to be a nice day. Yesterday, there were sort of scattered showers everywhere yep. and a little bit of thunderstorms popping up. And eh. all, the, all the kids are getting together with my dad for Father's Day this Sunday. Because oh, nice. last Sunday, he was just getting out of the hospital and wasn't ready for everybody to be around him. So we're going to get together outside today. Oh, perfect. So perfect, perfect day, perfect sunshine for it. And not too hot. Not we're too talking hot. mid mid twenties. Yep, that's mid twenties with a nice Perfect. breeze. Perfect. Oh, nice stuff. Hello, summer. Okay, so let's go to the text line. We'll wrap things up here. We got a few more to get to, and uh, we're going to try to get these all in the air. Darla is in Moose Jaw. I have a Schubert chokecherry that suckers massively into a gravel and paving stone area. We yep. control these with Roundup. No, Ooh. don't do that. With 
out, out translocation to the main roots. Oh, he's lucky. Is it damaging the tree roots? It can. It can. Yeah. It's so, a different product. So you use Top Gun or Roundup Advance. Yes. Okay. So if you use the Roundup is fine as long as you use Roundup Advance. Roundup Advance is a horticultural soap. Yeah. So what it does is burns down the suckers and then doesn't translocate in. So if he's using the advanced variety Roundup, that's not a problem. Or another product called Top Gun. Okay. But careful because regular old Roundup might take the whole tree And and make sure, because you're trying not to trim them off and get all the stooling, you want to spray every almost every week or every two weeks when the leaves are just popping out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Spray them, burn them off, and you won't get all this stooling and more branches coming up and more suckering. Okay, there we go. Uh, What's the best fertilizer for hydrangeas and clematis? Um, hydrangeas, clematis, hydrangeas. I like using um, uh, like a thirty ten ten, or I'll use uh, even if even a twenty twenty twenty. But then I'll also with the hydrangeas, I will sprinkle a, at least um, a tablespoon or two tablespoons of uh, aluminum sulfate around the plant at least every month, once a month okay. in summertime, uh, because they like acidic soil, and especially if you get some better coloring of the hydrangeas that way as well. And the clematis, you can just use your twenty 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 or your fifteen thirty fifteen, any one or of those. Or even the thirty ten ten, because a lot of them will bloom off the new wood too. Off the new wood, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Amy's in Warman says, "I'm really tired of patching dead grass that my dog has killed. Wondering if there's something else I can use to yeah. cover dog those spot areas." Prevent. Dog spot prevent. It's a great product, and uh, there again, it's it's organic and it's made by a guy in Winnipeg. And it's called Dog Spot Prevent. You you fertilize. It's like adding on top of your fertilizer. You add this as well, mm-hmm. and it keeps the area so that if you have problems with that, it prevents that from happening. Another it's thing- also a great product if you have neighbors walking by and you're frustrated because other dogs are peeing on yep. your lawn and making spots on there. And it's something that you're not home during the day. You can't monitor some yep. stand there. So if you put Dog Spot Prevent on those areas, it's going to prevent the the spots from showing yep. up. Another thing you can do too, and we've talked about this before, is dog rocks. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a product up there called Dog Rocks. Dog Rocks yeah. And they go into your dog's water dish. Water dish. Yes. And they naturally absorb yep. some of the things that, you know, yep. create spots when your dog goes to the bathroom. Yes. Right? Either that or train your dog or otherwise put a scarecrow out there, which is a water with a water, <laughs> water sprinkler with a motion detector and you can spray. <laughs> Well, you have to be careful. You don't want to go out to the sidewalk, but if you can get the dog when it's just on your lawn. Well, this is Amy's own dog she's talking okay. about. Oh, so. no dog. Hey, she don't might do not want to scare her own dog no, out no, of her no. yard. <laughs> Don is in Prince Albert. How far apart should I plant Evan's cherry trees? Evan's cherry trees, um, they can grow pretty good size. So I would say closest I would probably go is 8 to 10 feet apart. Okay. If you want to grow, they, they can sucker up too, uh, but you can also keep them up as a single tree as well. Second question is, she's got one cherry tree already, found a leaf covered underneath with what looks like black eggs. What should I use to get rid of this? Uh, the black eggs, just pick, if you see the eggs, just pick them throw them away. What is that? It could be an egg. There's a whole bunch of things. It could be an egg mask, could be from a, a, a moth, it could be spider. from a, it could be from a moth, you know, from that latest egg before the caterpillar comes out. Right. It could be spider, it could be a beetle, it could be a whole bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. So just, just, just pick, pick them if off. If you just see a few there, just pick them off and destroy them. Okay. If it starts to get covered in it, what do you use for that? Like well, then you you've got to wait to the, you got to wait to the hatch. Right. Right. And then, then you can spray them after that with ambush or something like that, or it, spray them with, uh, insects, uh, safers, uh, not safers. Or if it's a caterpillar, you can use BTK. BTK for caterpillar. Okay. Marianne in Prince Albert says, we planted a mountain ash tree that's about two feet high two days ago. Since then, we've had four tenths of an inch of rain, uh, when, since it was planted. Yep. We've had almost three inches of rain in the last two weeks. I fertilized, put alfalfa pellets in the hole, we, then we planted the tree. 
Uh, presently having a discussion with my husband about whether we need to water the tree anymore. Your thoughts about whether we should give this any more water or not? Probe the soil. That's what okay. I was going to say. Two things. Probe the soil. Use a piece of re- three-eighths rebar. It has ribs on it. You can go into the planting hole. And also you can go into the root ball itself where it came in the pot yes. with your finger and just probe that and see what the moisture level is in there. Because if you just, how long ago did they plant it? Uh, let's see, two days ago. Two days ago. So what will happen is that the soil beside the plant will be different than the soil that came in the root ball with the plant. Because if the hot, now the sun comes out today, that root ball can dry out, but the soil won't. Okay, because the roots aren't out there yet. So monitor the soil ball and with your finger. And then you'll check how, what the moisture level is like. If it so feels normally, moist, normally you check the drip line of the tree, but when you just planted something, you still want to check the root ball. Right. And, and bottom line is that if you feel moisture, don't need to water it. If right. it feels dry, as far as you can fit your index finger into the soil, if it feels dry, then water. And after and, all that rain that's come down, if it if it comes that rebar comes out soaking wet. But you can remember a day like today with twenty six degrees and the sun shining. Yeah, won't that take... root ball can dry out in one or two days, right. even though the soil is still wet around. And remember, don't just test one tree. Test the trees in all the areas of yeah. your yard that you planted because the runoff is going to be different in all the different and areas. And you won't know what's happening underneath your mulch either. There you go. Okay, uh, this is from who? Not sure, but says, Hosta growing next to our house on the east side. Perfect. The leaves come out beautifully, but once they're fully out, the leaves sort of turn white and dry up. Only on the outside leaves, mostly the ones on the on the side of the house. Is it lacking nutrients? Maybe no. If they're turning white. Sometimes if they're just white, that's just a lot of times it's a, it's a sun skull, right? It's a sunburn. Yes. If it turns white, so it might be getting some of that hot morning sun and just getting the outside leaves. And that's what if it's turning white, most likely it's uh, from a sun skull. And um, nothing to worry about. Um, if you if you don't like the, those leaves, just prune them off. Perfect. Okay. okay, that's pretty much it. We've got maybe a text or two to get to here, and Al, we'll get to your call at North Battleford in a second when we get off the air here, but we got to run. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back same place, same time next weekend, right? Perfect. Enjoy that sunshine out there. Have a great See day. See you next week. Enjoy the sunshine. You bet. All right, thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.